Good morning. God bless you and welcome to our Sunday morning worship service here at Victory Outreach Inglewood. I'm glad you're here with us and I pray that uh, that you're doing well and safe and praise the Lord. The numbers are coming down from this uh, terrible pandemic and hopefully this is a sign of good things to come that we can gather together once again for our live services. So continue to pray for that. Uh, as we uh, look forward, amen, to, to better days. I'm going to be reading to you from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 19. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, you can read along with me. Uh, and this is what it says. In the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his sides. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for a word from heaven today. We ask that you would reveal your purpose and your power for such a time as this. When we are living in a time where people are locked away in their homes, afraid of what's happening outside. I pray, Father God, that you would speak life, hope and peace to your people. In Jesus name we pray and God's people say, Amen. Amen. You know, back in the year 1988, the Trinity Broadcasting Network interrupted their programming uh, to do what they thought was entirely necessary at the time. A book had come out. Uh, it was 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Occur in 1988. And they were so completely convinced that this book was true, that Jesus was coming back in the year 1988, that they interrupted the programming to teach people to be prepared for the rapture. How embarrassing it must have been for them when they realized that Jesus did not come in the year 1988. In fact, the author, when he realized that, you know, his prediction won't come true, he made some edits to switch it over to 1989. And then 1990, and he went all the way to 1997, right? Embarrassing time, not only for him and for others who believed him, but for the church who were swayed by these predictions. Uh, and those predictions have not ceased. Literally hundreds of predictions have been made about the return of Christ, about the end of time. You might recall the Y2K scare, where the, the, on New Year's from 1999 to the year 2000, there was an expected chaos, a, 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 a total uproar in the, the systems of the world, which would eventually usher in the return of Christ. Or you may remember the 2012 prediction, right? A blockbuster movie was made on that one where, you know, the end of the world would uh, would be ushered in by a total collapse when everything just falls apart. It, it, it even sparked this guy to build a modern day Noah's Ark in China. 
right? Amazing times. These predictions have never stopped, nor has the fear that these predictions produce. In fact, one of those predictions claim that the world is going to end this year. Right, this year, way back in 2008, a woman by the name of Sylvia Brown said that in the year 2020, and I quote, I'm reading what she says, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes, resisting all known treatments. And although Sylvia Brown died in 2013, and very few people took her seriously at the time, since the pandemic hit, her book also became a hit. And it's, there's been this surge of interest in what she had to say. In fact, it's become the number two in the nonfiction list on Amazon Books. Amazing. One thing we all know is that the world will indeed end. The, the problem is that we don't know when that will be. In fact, it was Jesus himself who says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son. He includes himself as being one out of the loop when this final day will take place. He says only the father knows. It was the Apostle Paul who said that in the day of the Lord, it will come like a thief in the night. Right. Sudden and unexpected. But he also says this in the very next verse. Paul says, but brothers, you and sisters are not in darkness that this day should surprise you like a thief. So if there's anyone who uh, is able to discern the, the signs of the times, it's you. You should be able to recognize what's happening. You should be able to read the signs of the times because you are not in darkness. But when we look at the climate of fear and anxiety in the world today, it's hard to imagine that the world is not coming to an end. The way things are going, it's like, man, it is right around the corner. Cataclysmic events have taken place all over the world. Strange things are taking place. Aside from this current pandemic, just this year, 46 million acres of Australia have been consumed by fire. 46 million acres. That's almost half of the state of California. If you can imagine that, imagine the entire northern part of California from Fresno all the way up to the Oregon border burned. And, and not just in spots where, where they're true. Everything, that entire space, that is how much of Australia has burned. 46 million acres. And on top of that, as we speak, there are swarms of locusts right now in eastern Africa. Because people, they, not only, they see this, this, these fires as in times kinds of an event. The swarms in Africa, man, amazing. Right now in eastern Africa, one swarm, and, and there are several in various places. One of the swarms there covers 930 square miles. That's a huge area. That's roughly the size of Orange County. All of the cities, if you can imagine, all of the cities in Orange County being covered by, by locusts. Every inch of it by locusts. If you can imagine the 
immensity of such a swarm covering that entire county, every home, every yard, every street, every inch of the sidewalk, every park, everything in that entire county being covered with locusts. Hard to imagine, right? But not only that, you know, we have this pandemic you know, civil unrest in our country, fires and swarms, uh, they've taken their toll on the peace of individuals. Not only our peace, but our mental health. We have been struggling to cope with the issues that we're facing with. Questions about what's going to happen. What does the future hold? Is there a return to normalcy on the other side of this? Or will there even be an other side to this? All the questions that these times have produced uh, are very similar to the questions that the disciples had when Jesus was crucified. It was a frightening time for them. It was a world that they were not prepared for. They had walked with Jesus for three to three and a half years and all of a sudden he is ripped from them violently, crucified before their very eyes and laid to rest in a tomb. They, like us, had entered into a new time. They, like us, had grown accustomed to a way of life that was different. For them, they were accustomed for Jesus's physical presence with them. Whenever there was a crisis, he was there to solve it for them. Healing, restoring, ministering with the power of God in his fingertips. And without question, Jesus had revealed to them the power that he had over nature, over evil and sin, spirits and sickness, even death itself. He raised a young girl, 12 years of age, from the dead. A young man about to be buried. All he did is look at this, this widow mother and, and raised her son from the dead. Not to mention his friend Lazarus, who had already been in the grave four days. His track record for bringing hope to utterly hopeless situations was impeccable. But when faced with the most challenging time of their lives... These disciples totally forgot their experience with Jesus, who he was in the worst of times, what he could do in the worst of times. Instead, Jesus found his disciples at home, at home, the ones he had commissioned to change the world to turn the world upside down. The ones he had commissioned to teach them about the training, the teachings of, of Christ. They were at home, doors locked, afraid of the threats on the outside. These were the same guys he sent into all the towns and villages that he would go himself, casting out demons, healing the sick. The same guys that he himself had chosen and prayed for. They were handpicked by Jesus. It was these guys that he said, I will send you to reap what you have not sown. It was to these guys, he says, you will do greater works than these. Man, amazing comments to these guys. You will do greater works than these. You were chosen to bear fruit. Go and, and make disciples of the nations. It was these guys that he spoke to, right? It was to them he passed the mantle. It was to them that he revealed the Father, called to be his very own. And where are they? When Jesus was crucified, where are they? 
when he's no longer with them. And times are different. Crisis had fallen upon them. Where are they? They're at home, locked away for fear of the Jews. Hello, somebody. At home, locked away. Nobody sees them. Nobody hears from them. Only, you know, sketches here and there, maybe. So Jesus had to rebuke the chaos in their lives. He said, peace be with you. Peace is the reality. Peace be with you. Even though none of them felt it, peace is what you really have. But you've forgotten all about it. You have enough to go around. You have enough to bring to your neighbors to go outside the doors of this house and share what you have with other people. So he declares peace over them. It's something you need to know that you have at a time like this. And he showed them his scars. Man, I, I love this story as if to say, look at this. Look at the scars that I, I bear in my body. This is the worst that the world can do to me. This is the worst that Satan can do to me. But look at me. Here I am. I have overcome the worst he can dish out. And I am ready to go forward and to empower my disciples to bring about change. So he repeats what he said at first. Peace be with you. Peace is yours. Then he reminds his disciples that they had been sent. Right. They had totally forgotten about these things. You have a purpose. So, so he tells them, as the father has sent me, I am sending you. And to ensure that they could face the frightening world that was outside the door, in order to ensure that they could face all that they were afraid of, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathes upon them. And he reminds them of this indwelling power that they have to make a difference in the world. You have been given something. You have received something that the world does not have. And he gave them the greatest power that he could bestow on anyone on earth. And that is the power to forgive sins. Oh, man, it would be great to have the power to move mountains or, or great to have the power to interpret dreams or to heal the sick. But he gave them a power beyond all and every power, the power to forgive sins, the power to break the most permanent and enduring curse on humankind to forgive sins. Man, that, that's the power to break the grip of death and the grave. This is the power of new life, the power to give hope, even in the most gloomy of times when thoughts of the end of the world have pierced the hearts and minds of people. I have given you the power to connect people to God himself. When people are thinking about the end, thinking about disaster, hopelessness, and, and it's gnawing away at their very existence. You have something to give away. You have something to provide for a lost generation, right? The church leaders have a mission. You have a mission. You've been empowered by the Holy Ghost. You've been given the right to open up heaven's gates for people to whom it had been shut. And there's no way for them to enter in unless you open that door for them. 
You have been given the right to forgive sins. Man, who can forgive sins but God? Absolutely. That's right. Only God can forgive sins. But Jesus breathed upon his disciples. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And whoever you forgive, whoever you forgive will be forgiven. Man, we got to get out. We've got to let people know that, hey, man, you can get right with God. What a gift. What an opportunity. But sadly, just like this story reveals, Jesus had to walk through locked doors in order to get to his people. You know, all throughout the gospel stories, the Bible reveals that in the worst of times, Jesus had a solution. Didn't matter what was going on. Didn't matter what was happening. In the worst of times, he always had a solution. He met the needs of grieving families. He improved the lives of, of widows, fed the hungry, delivered the demon possessed. And here in this story, when it seems like the world can't get any better, Jesus reminds his disciples of three things. And it's the very same things that we need to be reminded of here this morning. Number one, he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And this is more than just a salutation. This is more than just a, a cordial greeting, right? It's an affirmation that every blessing on heaven and on earth can be yours, that you have peace, you have shalom, you have peace of God in the midst of turmoil and chaos. It's yours. It's, it's given to you. And he has to remind them of this. What are you doing here? Locked up. What are you doing at home? Why aren't you making disciples? Where are you at? Don't tell me you're locked away at home. Jesus was, was shocked to have found them in this place, in this condition. In, in John chapter 16, verse 33, after explaining his departure to the disciples, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. He was preparing them that in his departure that they would have peace. And he says, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Secondly, he shows them his scars. Man, you got to love this. Uh, oh, it, man, if, if I wish I was in that room that I, I know I would have been convicted if we were locked away at a time when it's when it's really time for us to be sharing the gospel. When the world is hurting, we get so busy with our stuff, our own stuff in isolation. We, we've we've inherited the the Western way of life, this individualism that keeps us apart when we have every opportunity to connect every opportunity to break down the walls and to lead people to glory. Jesus shows his scars. He became a living testimony. He said, look at my scars in spite of all that Satan did to me, in spite of all that the world has done to me. I am alive and well. When they hit me with their worst, when they when they did with me what they wanted to do, at the hands of the Roman soldiers, look at me. I'm ready to do my best work, right? He had overcome the world, 
overcome the lies of the enemy. In Luke chapter 12, verse 4 through 7, Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should be afraid of. Fear him who after killing the body has the power to throw you into hell. He says, yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Praise the Lord for that. And, and some of us are probably worth more than many, many pigeons, right? Great worth. God loves you immensely. A third thing he says, he says that he breathed upon them. He breathed upon them. The power of the Holy Spirit is also upon you. You have received something from God. You have been commissioned to forgive sins, to lead people to the Lord. You have been commissioned to set captives free. Is there any greater power in all of the universe given to human beings than this? To say to someone who is bound to eternal death, bound to hell, to say to someone, I know the way to eternal life. And the way to eternal life is through Jesus Christ. To lead them in a prayer of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. You have been commissioned to do just that. At a time like this, when the world is, is all messed up, people are afraid, people are in fear. You have been commissioned. Go and do what you were called to go and do. Christ is with you. He shouldn't find us locked behind closed doors, afraid of what's happening in the world. He should find us doing the work of a servant. And so I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray for us for the boldness of the Holy Spirit, for that unction of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God upon our lives to make a difference in the world that we live in. To, to go out and to make disciples, to go out and let people know that Jesus is the answer. And, and, and although there may be fear and, and uncertainty that we can bring the hope that Christ is able to bring into the lives of unsettled people. And so let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And we pray that you would move in a powerful way, that you would speak to our hearts, prepare us to do and to be all that you've called us to do and to be. And I pray that your spirit be with us, unite us, empower us, and give us a compassion for the lost this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. And if you're out there and you say, you know what, man, I, I know I need to be forgiven. I know I, 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 I come this morning and I, I, I tune in this morning with issues in my life that, that I'm, not, I'm not proud of and I, and I wish I could cut away. You know what? The Bible says that God can cut those things away. He says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as crimson, I will make them white as snow. And all it takes is a simple prayer. And if you're willing this very moment 
Let's pray. We can pray and, and we can be forgiven. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I am ready to receive your Son as Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my past. And I believe that he died for me and was resurrected on the third day. And I receive him now as Lord and Savior. Jesus, come into my life and forgive me. Make me new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And Father God, I pray for every individual who said this prayer in truth and sincerity, that you would meet them right there where they are. That you would reveal yourself in all your glory, lift the burdens, and make all things new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Peace be with you. Thank you.